You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to the Family Feud Podcast. I'm Keely Yor here alongside Shotgun Spratling. We're both beat reporters for uscfootball.com. We cover the team. Uh, Shotgun, how are you feeling today? I am plum exhausted. Yeah, I like feel you. Like a plum. A plum. Yeah, that's been thrown on the ground, kicked around a couple Stomped times. Stomped on. It's a, it's a short week because of traveling back from California, uh, <laughs> from the Bay Area, and then USC playing on Friday this week, uh, and then you had breaking news of basketball yesterday, uh, so I didn't get to sleep much then. It's just kind of been a crazy week, and uh, I'm ready for some USC football action on Friday. Uh, and I can watch from afar since I won't be traveling. I get to avoid the Palouse. Yeah. Still haven't been up there, unfortunately. Oh, that's a little sad. Yeah, but uh, coming off Cal victory, 30-20. to 20, USC's heading up to number 16, Wazoo. Like you said, uh, I'm I'm going out of order. But what do you think What do you think is going to happen against Wazoo? What do I think is going to happen? I think there's going to be some points scored. I think that place <laughs> is going to be rocking. It's going to be sold out. Yeah, sold out. Ugh. The standing room only sold out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fire marshals will be kicking people out if anyone tries to sneak in, apparently. Oh, wow. Because there would be too many people there, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's going to be a great atmosphere. Friday nights, you're going to have the national attention uh, for the people that are up at 10 p.m. and aren't out on the East Coast going out to a bar or anything. All right, Friday. Um, so I think you're going to have a ton of people watching the game. It's a, a great opportunity for both programs to kind of showcase themselves and say, hey, we're a team to be reckoned with this year. Indeed. As Chris Hawkins said, the Friday night lights again. So that will kind of be interesting. Uh, were the Wazoo fans up in your mentions this week? Because they definitely were for me. Nope. Really? Oh, look at you. They know better. They <laughs> oh, know better. okay. Uh, let's get into it. Stock up. Who do you got? I'm going to go with Clancy Pendergast's defensive adjustments. You know, I thought he did a, a really nice job just deciding that, hey, Christian Rector is going to be our guy on the edge and we're going to let him go uh, rather than, than trying to just automatically replaced with the next guy up behind Port Augustine with the, one of the outside linebackers. He chose to use Christian Rector in kind of a hybrid role. Uh, Christian Rector also went inside a couple times in uh, a, a formation they called the Greyhound formation where Wole came in as well, and, and Christian Rector was used as the defensive and defensive tackle to, to rush the passer. And that was kind of a pass rush uh, package they had. Um, but I, I thought that was really a, a good idea by him, and then I also thought the adjustments they made throughout the game um, with they played some off coverage early, you know, he said that they decided to get up and get a little bit tighter in, into the the cow receivers and make them beat them, and they weren't able to do that so much. And the pass rush did a really great job. And anytime your your defense creates six turnovers, I think you're doing a pretty good job as a coach. Mm-hmm. In that same vein, I think when everyone credits Yichen Anuosu and how well he's been playing, and he definitely has, that was also a Clancy thing where he noticed. From the beginning when he came there, that Uchenna kind of drew people to him. He was kind of a leader. When not many people, I mean, even when Uchenna was named a captain, people were kind of surprised. But as you see his play and how he's leading the team out there, I was kind of talking to Clancy about it yesterday, and he said, the first practice warm-ups during spring when Clancy was there, he said, I noticed immediately that players just gravitated to Uchenna. And and he said that Uchenna was just one of those guys I knew I had to get on the field, which wasn't really the case prior to that time. So I yeah, and he's been a beast, and I'm going to go ahead and use one of my Heard It on the sidelines now. Wow, we're all, all out of order today. I know, it's okay. But Eugene Nwosu, because we're start, speaking about him, on the sidelines before USC got their first interception, when uh, I believe Josh Fatu tipped the ball, maybe Eugene got a piece of it too, uh, and, and Jack Jones got the first of his two interceptions. 
Uh, before that drive, I heard Eugene Nwosu on the sidelines. I saw him putting his hands up above his head, talking to his other defense linemen, like, you got to get your hands up, you know, if you're not going to get there, try to bite a ball down. And then they go out and immediately get a tip ball. And then it becomes a theme of the day because they, they had several of those. I believe three of the interceptions were tipped at, at one point. Um, so, you know, I thought, and I asked him kind of after, you know, what, what's kind of your role? And, you know, he said he's one of the guys that has to get everybody else going. He has to do that. And that's a role that he's taken on this year. And I think those defense, there's three defensive captains. I think those guys are the vocal captains of the team. Sam Darnold, I don't think, is quite the vocal leader that, that some of the others are. And they said at halftime, some of the defensive players said that those three captains on defense got up in some people's face, and kind of, you know, a, you know, a fiery speech, something you might see from the coaches normally. But it was Chris Hawkins, Cam Smith, and Uchenna Nwosu that did it this week. Yeah, I think Jack Jones described Uchenna as the boss of the defense. So, I mean. Playing like a boss. He is. He definitely is. Stock up for me, Stephen Carr. Um, I think it was kind of not talked about enough that, okay, suddenly Rojo's not playing. You have a true freshman making his first start, and the guy just plays He does his job. I mean, I think we just assume that Stephen Carr is going to be amazing and so good, which he is, but I think you got to get him credit. He's a freshman out there. He's doing really well. He had uh, 20 carries for 82 yards. He also had six receptions for 47 yards. He's as good of a receiver as he is a rusher, I mean, he's USC's, I think, third leading uh, receiver right now. So. Yeah, and they're scheming things to get him open and, and do some different things with swing passes. I mean, the the play, the jump pass in the Texas game, that was completely devised just to get him the ball, give him an opportunity in the middle of the field one-on-one. That's how good and uh, how important he's become to this offense is that he can become you know, a unique weapon out of the backfield with his, his ability to catch the ball and the ability to make people miss. I mean, the offense line didn't play great, and he made some guys miss to get extra yards and extra – uh, on some of the carries, you know, beating the first guy almost every time it seemed like uh, they definitely had to bring two or three guys to tackle him and bring him down because he's making guys miss. Mm-hmm. I And he has this, like, weird – not weird. He has this quiet maturity about him that you necessarily wouldn't expect from a five-star coming in, getting as much playing time as he is. He's, he, you, he's just taking it all in stride, and that's something that sometimes prior years for USC you haven't seen those guys really – be as humble as we've seen Stephen Carr. So I think that's really interesting as well. When you're that good, you can be humble. Or you can be, you know, the other opposite and you can be truly arrogant because you know you're that good. He's really, really good. He's a really talented kid. He always talks really fast. You know, it's, he runs, <laughs> yeah. his, he talks as fast as he runs. Uh, you know, that's just been a common thing. It's like he, everything, he processes stuff really quick. So he can speak really quick too. For her to, on the sidelines, um, I had an interview with him that we didn't end up using because uh, someone else wrote an article about him. He kept saying, yes, sir, and then going, I mean, ma'am, I'm so sorry. And then by the the end of the interview, he's like, I am so sorry. I obviously know that you're not a sir, but I just, like, I'm used to saying sir around football, so I'm just not used to it. You're ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. And I'm like, it's okay, Stephen, it's fine. Like, I'm not offended. So, yeah. So he's still a little raw with the interviews, but he's he's good on the field. He's a a fun kid for sure. I've also got Tyler Bonds, another guy that, that got his, you know, biggest opportunity so far in his career. Uh, he played, I think it was 72 or 76 offensive plays. You know, he was in there. He didn't start, but he was in there the rest of the time, which is kind of weird. Um, but, you know, I thought he played well. The coaches said they, they, there was one of the guys they noted, you know, after watching the film. He did a really good job on the outside. He, he had the uh, block at the goal line to help Tyler Petit get in. Um, so I thought he did some nice things. He had a huge catch on the sideline, uh, a great behind-the-head photo of it, um, just out of bounds. Uh, but I think he's going. His role is only going to continue to get bigger. And, and if Ryan Abraham's listening, you know he's really excited about the fact. <laughs> his ears are perked. Yeah, I mean he had an unreal practice on Monday. 
team made catches where I was laughing in disbelief and my mouth was open like are you kidding me right now like I can't believe he just made that like he was just on fire um Gavin Morris he was like he's just on a different level right now and it was so true he was it was one of the best practices uh from an individual player we've seen this whole year I wasn't there for that practice at work but it sounds like it reminds me a lot of my my younger self mm, I'm sure it does <laughs> For those that you of you playing bingo at home, you can cross off the shotgun mentions his high school glory days. I didn't even mention high school. I said younger still. Mm, okay. Uh, who else you got for stocks? Uh, oh. I got the pass rush. You know, I, I thought the fact that they were able to get to the quarterback and yeah. create. Uh, they didn't have a ton of sacks. I think they had two or three maybe in the game. Would you like the official stat line? Sure. They had five PBUs, six QB hurries, uh, two fumbles forced, and four interceptions. It's not necessarily the D line, but you know overall miscellaneous defensive stats. I mean, the the fact that they were able to get the quarterback and affect the quarterback so much was mm-hmm. the thing. They Huge. created a lot of, of turnovers. Uh, so they were definitely on my stock up. And I think that starts with Christian Rector, the yes. guy who, was, who stepped in and had a huge game again. Um, you know, he, He's got that lawnmower working. You know, that, the, the <laughs> he loves that. Move, trying to pull the quarterback. I mean, he had one sack where he was fortunate to get the sack because the guy basically just ran right into him. But then when he got him in his grasp, he's like, all right, well, I'm trying for this fumble real quick. I didn't get it out there, but, you know, he had a uh, he helped create the last turnover USC had. He hit the quarterback, uh, I believe his shoulder or his arm, as he was trying to throw, and the ball just fluttered up. And Chris Hawkins was like, Chris Hawkins could have called for a fair catch if he really wanted to. <laughs> that was like a punt right to him. Uh, so, you know, the, the pass rush w- was tremendous in this game, and giving them a lot of credit for the fact that they're doing it without – um, without Port Augustine, mm-hmm. and also Rasheem Green was nicked up. Josh Fatu gets hurt in the game, yep. So and Yuchenna Nwosu also hurt. Yeah. So your four starters either started the game or out, and then uh, the, the fourth one uh, got injured in the game. So you know, give that, that group a ton of credit because they're exactly. playing a lot, of, a lot of snaps as well. Intending the game. I had Tyler Petit as stock up. Um, he did a good job blocking. The second – quarter it seemed like he was the like second guy that Darnold really trusted the most not necessarily Tyler Vaughn's but he, when Deontay was having a little bit double team he went to Tyler Vaughn I mean uh, Tyler Petit uh he also had a touchdown that game I feel like that kind of like went by the way no one really cared that Tyler Tyler Petit had a touchdown I saw him you know I was going to try to interview him afterwards um and I saw him before they have kind of a double door situation and once the players get out of the double doors from the locker room area we were allowed it's to grab ridiculous. them um and it was a very tight quarters kind of thing so I saw him on the way out, and I was going to grab him, and then he just kind of lingered around for like five minutes or something. So I was like, oh, I went on to the next person uh, and never saw him come out again. Um, but, yeah, I think he kind of got forgotten, the fact that he had this touchdown. Yeah. He had a very nice run and, you know, uh, getting through a couple tackles there at the end of dive and get it to the pylon. And he had a big third down catch at, at one point. Uh, I, I thought Tyler Petit is really coming into his own with given the opportunity that Daniel Manmorabebe is going to be out. And Tyler Petit's going to have to play a ton of plays. I mean – they're not using the backup uh, tight ends too much. Uh, it's, mas- it's mostly him. They're occasionally going with some four wide receiver sets. They also use something different with Jalen Green playing tight end on a couple plays. Uh, so they're doing some a little bit of things different. But he, he played a bunch of snaps, and I thought he w- looked pretty good. Yeah, and with Kerry Angeline no longer with the program, he's definitely going to have to step up as well. Yep, definitely. And, uh, you know, Tyler Petit came in as a receiving tight end. That was originally his, his calling car, whereas Taylor McNamara was the blocking guy. And when they added Daniel Morabebe after he had a red shirt after transferring, um, so you know now he's going to have to live up to that billing. Now he's got to be the blocking guy as well because none of those guys are really the blocking guy right now yeah. that, that Taylor McNamara was last year. Mm-hmm. If you want to, do, I know people are going to listen to this and be like, "Well, what's Daniel Morabebe? What's his status?" Blah blah blah. Uh, he got more work this week. Um, he, progressing. Progressing. He's still weeks away, but he's progressing. 
how many weeks is the question? Will yeah, it be two weeks? Will it be three weeks? Question. Will it be maybe they get back for the college football playoff? <laughs> I mean, if that if you're coming back for college football playoff, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's true, but they, everyone hopes to get him back. You, you always want players to get back healthy. Uh, anybody yes. else you got for stock up? I got one more. I have honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Chase McGrath. Okay. Uh, Marvel Tell. Okay. For some reason, I wrote that at like two thirty at night last night. So Marvel Tell apparently did a good job in my mind. So those are your two honorable mentions. Yes. My last one is Achille Ross. I don't know how you left him out. Oh yes, there you uh, go. Exactly. I no no no. You know what? I knew YK is your guy. I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> I just avoided that whole situation as, as a whole. I thought he played really well in the game. Uh, you gave up a couple pass receptions, which you kind of expect of a nickelback. Uh, he missed one tackle. Besides that, I thought it was great. His first opportunity to start. Uh, he made some big plays. He had the big interception and the run back. Uh, so I thought he did a lot of things and, and possibly earned himself more opportunities in the future. And maybe Achilles or you Achilles Achilles. We're still waiting. What you, you, we're still <laughs> waiting for the Keely Achilles Peely on Wheelies show. When's that gonna happen? I want that show so badly. You don't even know. You Would do you, know Brandon Peely and Achilles Ross? You know how can we get this to? You know I don't know. I gotta talk to Tim. Maybe we can get this get this happening. I told Brandon Peely. I was like, "You're Peely and I'm Keely," and he was like, ah, "Cool." And I was like, "No, this is so exciting," but apparently not. I still haven't told Akili, so we'll see. I don't think Akili knows my name, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're scared is what it is. That's why you haven't done it yet. <laughs> it's the fear of rejection shotgun. Exactly. Uh, who else you got? Anything? That's it for stock up. Stock down. Who you got? Wah, wah, wah. Stock down. Where's the buzzer sound from? Yeah. Uh, offensive line. Yeah, I didn't think they played very. They played great. You know, there weren't a bunch of you know big gaping holes or anything like we've seen in some of the the Texas Stanford games and a couple of runs. Uh, you know, they had an opportunity to bounce back from that Texas game where they struggled to run the ball, and they didn't really do great. And then some of the times with the pass protection, the first sack that Sam takes, uh, it was three a three-man rush from Cal. And they were able to get around uh, and get a sack, which is not very good for the helps of the line. You've got five guys, and I think the running back was in as well. So you had six blockers for three defensive linemen, and one of them was able to get through. That's not good. Uh, I think they need to play well this week for USC to win. They need to be able yeah. to run the ball, and then you know that's the question: Do they want to try to control the clock? Well, if you can run the ball, you're going to control the clock, whether you're trying to or not. Um, so I think they need to get back to the offensive line. I, th- I think Cal did some things with slants and stuff that they took from that Texas game that USC still struggled with. They had to pick that up. Uh, they had to play better as a unit. And I, I think there was a couple of physical beats, but mostly there were some struggles uh, with playing as a unit. Uh, I had a stock up that I forgot. I, he, he goes so many stock ups I know Vi, I think Vi Malpai had a good game I think being he kind of was that number two guy and I thought he did well yeah, so. So his stiff arms is what should have been stock up because he put on some mean stiff arms in a couple plays he's a physical back um, stock down Jana Harris I add punt return I, I mentioned this in the Facebook live this was the game where you could have Kind of played around with who could have been back there, um, but suddenly he's not playing a nickel, and suddenly uh, he's out there for punt return. And I don't. Maybe that's a stock down for Baxter. Not sure. I don't. I think maybe that's a stock down for the rest of the punt returners. Maybe that too. I know. I, I hate harping on them, the JNA because so, it's that none of them could take the job. I mean, I don't think it's uh, how could it be a stock down for him? He played know, with okay. the injury. Um, you know, there was there were no opportunities really in that game to return anything. I think he had two fair catches, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, so there wasn't a bunch of opportunities there. Um, so I think it was the opportunity for some of those other guys during the week to say, 
Hey, coach, give me a shot. I know he's nicked up and instead, but I don't know why. Why, why do you want to start down on Jene? A guy that's hurt and he plays. I know. I'm sorry, Jene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're right. That was bad. Exactly. <laughs> Can go. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with Iman Marshall. I know a lot of people have been hating on him. I've been defending Iman Marshall. I think he's what I have stocked down is his off coverage. He struggled a little bit with that. You know, he wants to be a more rounded DB, but I think he's got to play to his, his physical assets and the fact that he can get in guys' grills and, and kind of put his hands on people and, and cause some disruption in routes. I think he needs to do that more than the off route. And, I mean, he had an opportunity for a pick on the first play, and he kind of stumbled. He overran it, actually, uh, or the first pass play that, that Cal had. Um, so, you know, I think he's got to play. I think a lot of people are down on him. I'm not as down on him as a lot of people. I don't think he's playing to his potential. I think he can play better, and I think he will play better this week. I think this is a big ch- challenge for him. And if I know him the, the way I think I know him, he usually takes these the you know the he's fueled by the fire of people saying that he shouldn't be doing something or that someone else should be playing. So I think he's going to bounce back with a big game this week. But yeah. last week's down. Yeah, um, I this is kind of a weird finagle. Uh, <laughs> the first tackle on defense, there was a lot of there was a lot of like people were there. But then the guy got like a couple more yards. So I think tackling Chris Hawkins said that they work at- for the overall game, not just the first play. No, no, okay. no. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, that's why I was like, I don't know how to phrase this. <laughs> it's the first tackle. First man there. Thank you. First man there. I, what he he didn't he didn't stop the yardage. Like there there was a lot of yards after contact. Um, which especially in the beginning, the the pat the rush defense was a little shaky in the beginning. Um, so. Maybe tackling Chris Hawkins said that they worked on that more. I don't know how much you can when you're not going full pads this week. So, but yeah, I would like to see that. Improve. I think there were just too many tackles high. I think that was one of the issues. Uh, I, I think guys were trying to, you know, and those Laird is a bigger back for Cal. And I thought guys were, and then when they use uh, Inwery, I think is his name, Vic Inwery, and, and the fullback. I think all three of those guys are bigger guys. They're going to be tougher to bring down. You got to go a little bit lower. And when they did that, I think they had success. I think that was part of the issue there. I got college basketball on stock down. Ooh. The entire sport right now. It, it's yeah. only going to get worse. For USC, obviously, Tony Bland was arrested uh, on, what day was that? This Monday. Week's, no, Tuesday. It was yesterday, right? Yeah, Tuesday. No, it was Monday. Was it? I, today's yeah. Thursday in my mind, so I don't even exactly. know. So it was Tuesday. Uh, Tony Bland was arrested, and uh, he was one of four assistant coaches arrested and part of a, a big FBI sting operation. Uh, Ten people arrested. It's only going to get – they're only going to continue to – um, continue the investigation. So I think the entire sport of basketball, you know, it's kind of been a known, unknown is like, oh, there's always the rumors about does this guy get paid or whatever it may be with recruiting. Um, and, you know, there's kickbacks with the the agents and stuff. That was half of it. You know, there was Adidas paying, uh, helping funnel money to pay for recruits on one side. And then you had USC uh, and some of the assistant coaches that were taking bribes in order to help get players to certain uh, agencies and stuff. So just a, overall, just a very bad look for college basketball, in particular college athletics and, and, and as a whole. Yeah. Sad day. Indeed. I don't even want to touch that. It's too sticky. Don't. Yeah, it's just bad. Just like honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't got any more stock down. Right. I was kind of screaming the ba- barrel, if you couldn't already tell. <laughs> All you gotta do is go to the message board and see what everybody's complaining about. Know. And then say, well, those are not right. Those are not right. <laughs> those are not right. Okay, there's one that He's maybe that's right. He's calling you out. He's calling you out, guys. I'm always calling somebody out. Yeah, that's true. What do you got? Stocked out? Anything else? I'm done. Oh, okay. Heard it on the sideline. Yeah. So, let's start before the game. With Keeley's pregame shoe swap, 
You... Oh, <laughs> I do this every game. I, this is the first time I saw it. I oh, go, you've never seen it? I this? come down the sideline and uh, she's sitting on the ground changing shoes. I'm like, what are you doing? Apparently, looks are important before a game and not during a game. It's a game. struggle that every female has, shotgun. Comfort over style. I go for style for pregame. I have you know, issue too. Hobnobbing with other, other media members. You know, you got to look good. <laughs> and then you got to go for, with my go shoes. I got to get my Converse on. I got to make tracks on the field. I can't. I got to go. I Fun mean, fact about that. I didn't have time at the Rose Bowl to change my shoes. And I was just like hobbling around during the Rose Bowl. It was horrible. I'm like bending in like these like... Shoes that should not be bending in, it was horrible. You're standing in one spot on the end of the sideline. No, I run yeah. around a lot. Yeah. As much as me. And this whole podcast is just for, so you can prove that you run more than I do at the. I'm a true athlete on the side. Apparently so. <laughs> no, I still run around a lot. The, I run with more urgency than you do because you can miss plays. Like, I was meant to make a mental note of this during Cal because you can kind of like, oh, it's kind of a blowout. I'll take some shots. I'll take. I'll take some celebrity shots of the last half of the game of Will Ferrell and all those people like you did. I have to film every single play. If something I, happens. That is like the most important time when the backups are in because you know they're never going to be in again. Like I got photos of Liam Jimmins. I mean, he's not I'm just been saying, I film every single play. So if I'm checking on an injury, I'm running really hard trying to, not to miss a play. Fun fact, if you looked at the highlights this week, I missed Jack Jones' second interception because I was looking at injury. <laughs> uh, so you film every play, but then when I needed a little help for the participation chart, what happened? Uh, I film tight because that's how it works. Uh, yeah, I don't so get have, the random where the play doesn't go. Didn't help me at all. This is a true family feud. <laughs> What you got heard on the sideline? Um, USC was so flat. It was unreal. Granted, you don't have the full team because it's travel size. Um, fight size. Um, and it was, I think, coming off of two physical games, Stanford, Texas, a morning game. The team was up at 6 in the morning. It's You're tired. Um, people were just flat. I mean, I was tired, so I kind of felt it. Everyone was kind of just tired and lackadaisical. And you could see that. They were kind of just going through the motions, you know? And so, it, I almost was like halfway through the second quarter, or the beginning of the second quarter, I was like, they just need to go in the locker room and restart. It's just too dead. Uh, as part of that, I heard on the sideline Clay Helton saying to the offense before the first drive, he's like, let's go out there and shut this crowd up. The crowd wasn't really even loud, but then when they went three and out, and then the, the cow offense started rolling, uh, started rolling a little bit and got a field goal to start the game. Then the crowd kind of came alive. There's still people streaming in after tailgate and everything. So that one was kind of interesting to me. He was trying to, he's trying to fire them up, and then it worked the exact opposite of what he said. Well, yeah, because I Cal's the locker room at Cal is really close to the field and it like echoes a lot. And they had the doors open, so I was just like kind of put my little ear to the door. Not there's no door; it was a tunnel. Um, and Clay Helton was yelling his head off in a very passionate speech, and I was like, how is he not losing his voice? So. It fairly didn't really work. <laughs> Not this time. But you know what worked was at halftime the speeches that the captain, the defensive captains gave. Those guys being fiery, yeah. uh, that seemed to wake up the defense, and the defense played really well in the second half. And the offense mm -hmm. finally capitalized on some turnovers. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really want to like ring the alarm bells on this because like I couldn't be reading too much into it before the game. But I was watching Sam uh, warm up during the game. And I mention this a lot, and you roll your eyes every time because you think I'm starting something, and I'm not. But Sam was, like, having a little bit of accuracy issues. He just seemed a little off, not hitting guys Don't like you're used to. Won't be none. <laughs> so I was like, I wonder, I made a mental note, I wonder if Sam's going to have an off day because he looks a little off in warm-ups, you know? And he kind of did. It was kind of his worst game so far. And, and I feel bad because Sam's Superman. He has one little, like, 
less of a Superman game and suddenly everyone's like, oh, what's wrong with Sam? I'm just saying. That's what I saw on the sidelines. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I'm not even going to touch that one. We touched on it in the Facebook Live. Don't, don't start. Uh, tumor rumors. Hashtag tumor rumor. Um, if you know, you know. Yukili Ross, uh, after his interception, when he came to the sideline, just everybody wanting to yeah. congratulate him. Showed, you know, it was a lot of emotion for him. He said he almost cried on the sideline. Uh, would that happen? I thought that that was just kind of an emblematic of the the trials he's gone through, expecting to play early and not getting that opportunity, and just to the what kind of player he is to his teammates that everyone wanted to come up, offensive guys, defensive guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, the coaches from the defense coaching staff went out of there, left their little group meetings to come and congratulate him too. Uh, so I thought that was a really cool moment for him. And it kind of, it was exhausting for him because then he immediately, because uh, the offense scored on, in two play, or like three or four plays, and then they had a kickoff, and he's on kickoff coverage in that game. So he runs that, and then defense has – Cal gets a couple of first downs, and he's calling the sideline, Coach, I'm tired. Somebody get, <laughs> get me in there. And that's – Jenna actually played a couple of plays on defense because of that. But just seeing, you know, the emotion and, you know, the energy from his teammates was really cool. Yeah, I'm, I always try and follow the guys um, after they make a play to the sidelines just because the reactions are so cool just to watch and maybe you'll tweet them out. I couldn't – he was mobbed. He was You couldn't see him at all, but you could see him moving to the sideline based on where the pats were. Everyone was giving this certain helmet pats, and I was like, okay, that has to be him because he keeps moving. So, yeah. Um, transitioning into this week of the sidelines, uh, Stephen Carr – Got extra work on Monday with uh, McCullough with his little contraptions, you know, the little punchy uh, punchy stick with the... the punchy stick. <laughs> the stick that has a boxing glove on yeah. the end of it. Okay, like that's any better. Um, just He was doing up-downs while he was trying to punch out the ball, um, using the, the ball that has the chain on it, trying to rip it out. You know, he did have that fumble against Cal, and he had to pay the price with McCullough, getting more work um, to not fumble. He just looked it. devastated after he, gave, after he fumbled that he ball. Just, he just... Was like flopped on the ground. He was like, I can't. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, but, no. then, but then he got up really fast and was like, <sighs> so yeah. Um, anything else we heard on the sidelines? Well, there was this week during practice. I uh, talked to John Baxter. You know, the Carrie Angeline stuff oh, had been yes. already brought up uh, with him the previous day, I believe. You know, I wasn't there on Monday for that discussion. So I talked a little bit about that and a little bit about Eric Cromanhook, who's a guy that I was kind of interested in after the Texas game because he, you know, went from not starting at all to or not playing any offensive plays at tight end to being the second guy kind of jumping over Kerry Angeline and Josh Follow. Uh, so I was kind of interested in after the Texas game, didn't get an opportunity. He kind of slipped out uh, from the week before. But I did talk to him this week and it got a little bit tense. I don't know. I don't know. Not tense. Chippy? I, I don't know. Back and forth? I don't know. We'll let you guys listen. Yeah, we actually have audio for you guys. So, so take a look. With, with Kerry's decision, were you surprised at all? Yeah, shocked. Did you guys have a discussion before you know he kind of announced it or anything? Nope. I still, as yet, have not talked to him. Oh, really? He's talked with Coach Helton. He's and and at this point here, that'll be the last question about that. Uh, I mean, Clay, he and the head coach have talked, and, and that's really where it's at. Coach Helton knows a lot more than I do. What have you liked about Eric Romanhoff that he's gotten that early playing time as a freshman? Well, I mean, do you know how many plays he's played? Yes. How many? Um, he didn't play at all on offense in the first two games. Then he was the only tight end used against Texas besides Tyler Petit in the Texas game. And then he played probably, I haven't tallied it up yet, but 15. Yeah, he's got. He's, he's played under 30 plays. But, I mean, that's, I mean, 
other guys have redshirted, and he's kind of moved into that second tight end with Daniel out. Why, why has he moved into that spot? Because he's done a good job. And what has he done that um, has earned that opportunity? Well, I mean, at this point, I'm not going to go into the specific. I really am not going to go into the specifics of the players, what they've done, what they're doing. But that's really nobody's business but ours. There's nothing that's positive that. Oh, there's a lot positive, but I'm not going to talk about it. Why would you not talk about the positive? Well, he's doing a good place. job in the run game and a good job in the passing game. I, I think it's so funny. Out of all the people he decided to challenge on how many plays, it's the guy who's charting every single play of each game. <laughs> And, hey, you know, he's gotten these questions about Kerry Angeline, and, you know, I'm sure he's not happy to lose a guy in his room. Um, so I try to give him the benefit of the doubt with that. I wasn't really trying to bring up Eric Cromenhook immediately after just to say, well, why is this guy playing? But I was genuinely interested. And I also asked him a bunch of questions about special teams and different things. But he got really defensive real quick, it seemed like. And, you know, the, the fact that he asked the, the snap question was kind of like, well, yeah, I do know because I actually have charted those, and, and I, I had to give myself credit because he said, I, you know, I said, well, I think he's played 15 plays, probably around 15 plays in the Cal games. I hadn't finished tallying up everything. Nailed it. 15 plays. Championship. <laughs> well done. Well done. But what are your overall thoughts about that? About the whole combative? Not combative. That's not. Really you point. know, coaches are going to get a little defensive when they're, you know, when they're pushed back at. Same with kind of anybody. It's kind of human nature. If someone comes at you in an degree, or you sent, you feel like someone is coming at you, then you're getting defensive. Uh, or you know, it's kind of the flight or flight. You either get defensive or you attack the other. Per- the attack uh, back. You either curl up in the ball or you go after. You know, in fight or flight. Uh, but. You know, I I don't try to be very confrontational with coaches. I'm, you know, that's not usually my stick. Yeah, I think that's the most I've heard you like kind of go back and forth with a coach. I mean, I just asked some questions. You did, yeah, you did. You I mean, I'm not trying to put bit. anybody on blast or anything, but I just asked some questions. And you know, the Carrie Angeline thing is unfortunate because I think USC could use a receiver over the middle. I think that's, that's something six that's seven. Lacking. That would that wouldn't hurt. Um, I think if you know if he was on the same page with Sam Darnold, I think you have similar results as, as Daniel Morabebe. I think he's an athletic guy that you could use in that, and maybe as a red zone target too. You know, some things that just didn't happen with him, and uh, he felt that he wasn't uh, wanted enough, I guess, in the tight end room. Uh, the fact that he kind of slipped behind the two true freshmen after he'd waited the year. Um, but John Baxter also said in, in our conversation, he's like. The guy's, it's his third game of it. It's three games into his redshirt freshman year. And I kind of understand, like, it, you know, maybe you fall behind, but one injury happens, what happens? Now you work your way back in. Yeah. It's a little early just to, to make a big jump. And, you know, part of it, I think, is Carrie Angeline wants to leave now and potentially go to a junior college or go to a school with quarter systems and get, uh, get going uh, at his next potential program to work his way towards that rather than staying around for the end of the semester and then trying to transfer. So... Don't, we haven't talked to Kerry himself to, to get that, um, unfortunately, uh, to get his side of the story. But, you know, he said he was out, and he didn't really talk to John Baxter. He went straight to Clay Helton, and that was kind of the surprising part, that the, the position coach did not know um, about the incident until, you know, kind of after it had already happened. Mm-hmm. But we wish Kerry the best. Um, his dad's super nice, too, um, friend of the friend of our site. So... Shout out to them. And yeah, Keely just hangs out with Mr. Angelon apparently <laughs> on the way to football practice. No, I, I was walking one day and he sought me out and so we had a conversation. So he's really nice. So shout out to him. Good luck to them. Uh, yeah. You know, he said that he wanted to go somewhere possibly closer to home. Uh, he is from Pennsylvania. It's always tough. We've talked about, you know, the transition moving across the country mm-hmm. and trying to to fit in. And, you know, it, it didn't necessarily feel that he fit. Mm-hmm. Philly fit? 
Did he fit? What did you say? He is from outside of Philly. Oh. Didn't feel that he fit. Oh, got it. Uh, you know, I just merge all those words together. That's true. The Southern drawl. Yeah. Um, so you weren't here for this. On Tuesday practice, you weren't here yet. You showed up later. Monday uh, practice? Tuesday. Tuesday. I was not at Tuesday. Yes, okay. but you weren't there yet. Gotcha. My bad. Um, so a lot of people come in and out of the, the Howard Jones gates. Um, and usually it's like staffers, faculty, random doctors, blah, blah, blah. So people just come in and out. So this, so halfway through practice, someone comes in, walks up, points directly at me and goes, Keely, can I have a word? Never seen this dude in my life. Says, Keely, can I have a word? It pulls me over. And I was like, <laughs> I, was like I don't know what I did. I did something. I was so <laughs> nervous. I was like, I don't know what I did, but I'm in trouble. And, and, and he's an important looking guy. Older guy. Looks important. So he pulls me over and I'm kind of looking at Ryan like, what is this? <laughs> um, and he goes, I'm USC's uh, ear, eye, and nose doctor. And uh, I would just like to have a word with you. And I was like, he was like, I watched your videos. And I'm like, great. I have some horrible, like, nose, mouth problem <laughs> that he's diagnosed from watching me. I was like, this is going downhill you fast. You mouth disease? <laughs> I, some, I knew, I was like, wow, he's about to tell me that I suck. Like, I went from going in trouble that I have problems. So then he you was like, uh, yeah, I knew that was coming. And so he goes... I see you down there on the field and you're next to some loud things. You're next to the loudspeakers. He was like, he was like, look at my app. And then he shows me this like decibel app. He's like, go to the app store, download this. He was like, I have four daughters. I told all my daughters to download this app. When you see it going over, he tested the app for me. Show me what's a dangerous ear level. He's like, when you see this level, you put your earphones in because your quality of life matters now. And it matters later. When you're 60, you want to hear people. You want to have a good quality of life. So I'm just looking out for you. And I was like, I did not. Wow. <laughs> right? courteous I know it was so nice he just like came out of nowhere and was worried about my ear health so have you downloaded the app uh no I I am though I am though because I'm a a spite not for the reason why he wanted me to but I think was this is gonna be loud and I want to have like a little screenshot of like it's really loud so look after that yeah I uh I actually every time I run by the speakers because the spirit leaders is that what they're called yeah it's uh, so they pump out the they pump out the volume in between plays and i try volume. to cover my ears because Me it too. is it's, super loud it's really loud or duck below it or you know do a somersault over them i don't know something those are dull so you definitely did not do that yeah no but i forgot his name apologies sure. if he listens to this podcast somehow i forgot his I'm name sure he does. but he's super nice thank you for looking out for my ears i think my family uh thanks you as well um, and I will definitely take that into consideration. But I immediately heard that, and I was like, oh, this is going to the podcast. This was great. <laughs> so, yeah. It was nice. Anything else you got? Anything? That's it for Heard on the Silence for me. Okay, let's go into Keep It Changing. Keep It. Let's do the dime package. Will Marvel tell down the boss? Mm, I really like it. Stole it. Stole it. Yeah? Yeah, you stole it. Uh, you know, I liked him playing, you know, the, the versatile uh, usage of him, using him as a slot back, using him as a linebacker position, and dropping him back into safety. He can do a little bit of everything. He's a big dude. He's versatile. He's quick. Um, and he tackles pretty well at the line of scrimmage. So he had a couple uh, tackles uh, at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage. So I really liked uh, that dime package with him in there. I thought Matt Lowe played pretty well uh, in the back end. Yeah, you he should have gotten an honorable mention TBH. That's true. He, he did a good job. That's all I got. Oh, all right, I thought you were going more. No, I gave up on that one. Go for it. Okay, we're on keep it, correct? Yeah. Uh, finishing game slash composure. Um, <laughs> just keep it. I, I, it sounds obvious, but... USC has not scored in the third quarter, except for, I think, against Western Michigan. There's a touchdown there. Yep. So, if you're going to have a game, if you're going to have a quarter in the second half where you're not doing well, obviously the fourth quarter is good. And so, I think with the way games have been going, I feel like teams prior to this one probably would have lost or not had as much 
drive or finish. You know what I'm saying? Help I mean, me out here because I can't articulate what I'm thinking. Fourth quarter success. I yes. Think is what you're trying to say. Yes. And I, I think this team has it. I mean, I think they play well in the fourth quarter. Part of that is Sam Darnold said earlier on the Facebook Live that I don't think they win the Texas game. Uh, you know, most teams lose that. Yeah. I remember the, I believe the Western Michigan game, or maybe it was the Stanford game, one of those two early games, and talking with someone, they're like, yeah, I don't think we win this with Steve Sarkeesian or Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Because there were some Agreed. adjustments made that, you know, they decided uh, to go away from certain things and, and just stick with what was working. Um, so I, I think this team has played well going down the stretch. And, and I think that experience from the Rose Bowl definitely helps. I think uh, the experience now that they have in overtime and a crazy atmosphere for the Texas game is going to help. I think that's going to help them this week when they go up and they're going to have a, a very tough atmosphere, much different than the Cal atmosphere, uh, when they go to the Palouse and, and take on a lot of rowdy friend, fans on, on a Friday night that have nothing else in eastern Washington to do. <laughs> wow. So no one blast eastern Well, there's Washington. nothing at night. I mean, no, you yeah, go, no, I know. unless you're going camping. I mean, camping. all your nature stuff in eastern Washington is great. I love it, but you want to do that during the day. This is going to be my first time in the state of Washington. I asked uh, one of my friends from Seattle, and I was like, what does it say about me that my first trip is to Pullman and not Seattle? It's <laughs> so true. I, bet, I went to Seattle for a couple of games, uh, my first trips up there. Oh, oh. You know, 49 states seen. I still got a last to last. <laughs> wow. Oh, I thought you went to... Whatever. Doesn't we can get this way. the only one I have not been to. So. Do you got anything else for Keep It? Of course I do. Uh, getting ahead so the backups can get opportunities. Yes. Uh, that's great. That's do that always more. good. Uh, that'd be good for those backups development as well. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have anything else for Keep It? No. One more. That's it. Uh, I'm pressure begets turnovers. You know, I think you got to keep getting yeah. pressure. I totally agree. And uh, I think the defense of the line, the pass rush, since I you know, put them in the stock up, I talked about this a little bit already, but I think if you continue to get pressure, it's only going to continue to help the defense, and especially when you can do it with four guys rather than having to bring extra pressure. Yeah. Change it. What do you got? Getting 11 guys on the field. <laughs> USC, I mean, give a lot of credit to Chase McGrath. Uh, he kicked that 46-yard field goal with 10 guys on the field. Uh, asked John Baxter about that, and he said, the guy that was supposed to be on the field, which I believe was Eric Cromenhook, don't want to throw him under the bus completely, but I believe it was him. Uh, he said, the guy that was supposed to be out there said that he realized, he, he asked him, he said, when did you realize that you weren't out there? He said when the snap was being made. Oops. <laughs> yeah, oops. And then also USC later when they're punting out of their own end zone, uh, Reed Budrovich counts and he says there's only nine guys in front of me, uh, and they had to call timeout. So that's two instances where they only got ten guys on the field and had to make corrections. One, I mean, Cal luckily did not rush the kick, the field goal attempt, yeah. um, when they had ten guys. If they do and it goes through the, the vacancy where the, ten, the 11th guy is supposed to be and he blocks that kick and they take it back to the house, Suddenly, you got a much bigger story than, well, he still made the 46 yard field goal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, do you think, I mean, because this has happened, this is not the first time this has happened. Do you think a team will see this on film somehow or see your tweet if you ever tweet it and be like, and be a, more aware of that? Could this come to bite USC in the butt if this doesn't get uh, fixed? I mean, they've been fortunate. I mean, the, the play last year against Stanford, I think, what was it, eight guys on the field? Stanford just went with an extra point instead of potentially going for two. Uh, realizing you know that USC was was low on numbers, um, I think you know I asked Baxter is like is it potentially because they've switched some guys in and out of the units? Uh, and he said it's just guys not being aware of situations. He said, and I you know trust him that uh, you know I asked him uh, you know what why have you guys struggled with that? He said the most professional answer I can give you is that we'll get it fixed. Um, and what does that know, mean? The most professional answer. 
because he didn't want to throw anybody out of the Ah, I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. Um, so it's partly the players. You have to know what's, what what your, what uh, units you're on. And I talked about, um, you know, the one time I scored a touchdown and immediately I was supposed to be on kickoff coverage. And I was like, someone had to grab me and throw me out there, basically. You know, because you get caught up in the emotions of the game. But maybe there needs to be someone for each person, like, that grabs them and says, hey, you're supposed to be out there. Or that says, well, that guy's not going out there. I'll take my chance. Doesn't Wyatt count before they settle in? I believe he's supposed to. Because uh, I've seen him do that multiple times. I just don't know if, like, somehow he forgets to count. He miscounts. Or maybe there wasn't, uh, the play clock was running down or something. Maybe. Because, you know, you're running out there and it's not time for a timeout or something like that. There's a bunch of things. But you got to get it fixed. Yeah. you got to have 11 guys in the field, offense, defense, and special teams. Agreed. What do you got for changes? Um, I'm going to say forcing it. I felt like Darnold kind of forced it a little bit. Um, plays it. He almost, he had like almost he had one official interception. He had almost three more. Yeah. There were there were throws that just didn't make sense. weren't He's trying to force it. I just didn't like that. I just think that that needs to just being more aware. And and, and Donald said that he said that it's on me a hundred percent. He should take what the defense gives him and not try and be. I, I don't know what just happened. Something just happened outside. <laughs> um, There's a garage door opening. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Keely gets the word for not going with it. Uh, so, yeah, so I thought he forced it a little bit. Um, and I just, and that's something that Darnold, I have confidence in Darnold, but he'll get it figured out. But for the sake of this segment, I think it should be changed. Don't do anything for the sake of a segment. However, I am agreeing with you. <laughs> I have Sam's struggles on the deep ball in particular. Yes. And everything over 10 yards and change it the deep ball. They've got to be able to open up those defenses. They've got to connect on a couple plays down the field, whether it be in the middle or with some post routes or on the outside, like the pass to Tyler Bonds that they threw too wide. Um, they've got to they've got to get that fixed because otherwise you're going to get eight in the box or seven in the box every single time. It's going to be difficult to run the ball. Then you're going to be reliant on hoping that you can do something that you're struggling at. Um, I, I think that uh, that Sam, you know, he was what one for ten or one for eleven uh, past ten yards. I mean, that obviously is not helped by the fact that Daniel Mortabebe is not healthy or the fact that Stephen Mitchell is not healthy or that Bayless Jones only played one play. Uh, there are options that are deep routes, especially over the middle, that they have not been able to connect on this year. Stephen Mitchell has one of the few deep ball uh, catches that they have, uh, so not having him did not help. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some things that play into that, but the, you, you got to get it fixed. It's something that is going to bite you in the rear if you, cannot, uh, if you cannot force teams to cover the entire field. Agreed. Um, I really disliked the fourth and one with Akasedrick Ware. Obviously, to begin with, it was a bad play call. But why are you using Akasedrick Ware in that situation when he was barely used up until that point? Why not put a Vi, who's a little bit more physical, or Stephen Carr, who had a good game? You know, I just don't understand. Sometimes the, the decision-making doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I didn't really like the fact that they went with three tight ends and kind of went with a goal line formation uh, and then ran the pistol you know, it's just something new. It was the first time they'd done it. I don't necessarily like doing something the first time on a big fourth down play. Um, however, I don't have a problem with Oxeter Ware back there. He's got tough yards. I think Ryan gave the stat, uh, you know, earlier in the season about how last year he converted almost every or every third down or short yardage situation. So uh, he's a guy that I trust back there to get those yards, but he didn't have an opportunity to get those yards because the offensive line let well, guys right th- through. It's not I, I, when I say that it's not a knock on Cedric Ware. I'm more saying it. I'm I'm in the camp of I don't like putting players in those 
high pressure situations when you don't give them an opportunity to get their sea legs yet in a game. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't, what's that face for? Sea legs. Yeah. Like, I don't, I I don't know. I give him, go. And here's why you're wrong. That's the little sister. He had played 10 plays prior to that. So that was his 11th play. Okay. But compared to everyone else. Uh, let's see how many Vi had played. Four, six. He had played eight at that time. So mm. I consider where I played more, and you want to play in the guy that played less. I just, okay, fine. Whatever. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm striking out this podcast. <laughs> it's a short week. I blame it on that. Uh, who else you got? That is my next uh, change it. This short week, the fact that you have a road game, even if it's in-state, I don't care. Uh, that it's in state and you know it's a quick flight or it's you, know, you can drive whatever don't care you have a road game and you have to come home and then you have to prepare for a short week and fly out on a for a Friday night game that's dumb by the Pac-12 it's the second time the UFC's done it yeah back to back years and it's dumb I mean give them one of those games should be a home game if you're gonna make somebody you know play on a Friday that's fine but they they should have the opportunity to play at home either with one of those games I mean previously when they've uh, had player had teams play on Thursday, then they automatically had a bye the week before. Yeah. So if you're going to do... Well, that's why USC doesn't have a Thursday game. Yeah. Because they don't even have a bye. Exactly. So Thursday, well, it, what, could it be Friday night game this year for the Pac-12 championship? Yeah, it's so a Friday. They could potentially have a Friday, another Friday night game. Which they would have a bye before. But if you're going to make somebody play a Friday night game, they both shouldn't be on the road. I don't think. I think that's dumb by the Pac-12. Yeah, about that It's not one. fair. Agreed. When USC... It's not fair, guys. Leave Brittany alone. When USC's <laughs> schedule came out... Uh, one of my friends was like, it's fine. USC will just have a bye week before the championship game. And I'm like, you are the most typical USC fan because that's just so, you're already thinking ahead of the championship game. So yeah. This guy was in a fraternity too, wasn't he? He was not. <laughs> so, um, I think that's all I got. That's all I got. Change it. <gasps> hey, now it's solo shot time where I get to pick your brain. And I'm especially excited for this because I haven't really seen you this week. Normally I can actually pick your brain on the sidelines, but this is true Picking your brain raw, real time. Go so, for it. What were your takeaways from the Cal game? I mean, what did you think of... Because, okay, I don't know if I'm taking in people's tweets with too much... Uh, probably. Probably, but... It seemed Putting like, too much stock into people's tweets. Thank you. I just... I'm helping out here. Thank you. Because people seem kind of angry about this game. And I get that the offense has issues. The defense looked good. What were your takeaways? Uh, I think that too many people bet on USC to cover, apparently. Uh, because, you know, if, if USC doesn't give up the last touchdown with Isaiah Langley getting pushed off, you know, that's a, if they call that a 15-yard penalty, he backs it up, you know, and they don't score there. It's a 17-point game, 30-13. It looks a lot better. People are like, ah, oh, we didn't play great, but they're not uh, moaning and really complaining about this game in the way that they have, I think. I don't think there's the same, uh, you know, extent of disagreement with USC's play. Um, I think that USC's offense is struggling to to get in sync and get going. I think they should go a little bit more tempo. I think that's worked for them in the past. I think the offensive line has played better. I think the defense played great. These are all my uh, observations. I think the backups that had to step in played really well, Christian Rector and Akili Ross in, in particular. So, you know, I, I think you come away from that game positive, uh, you know, if you're looking at it one way because you're saying, wow, we played this well with the backups in there, especially on defense, then – you know, what if we get everybody back and, you know, these guys can contribute as well. We can rotate in a little bit more. Uh, I think there's a lot of positives you can take away from this game. Stephen Carr on the other side, uh, Tyler Vaughn's playing more. But instead, you know, if you're Debbie Downer, you look into the negatives and you just uh, determine that everything's bad. Debbie Downer. 
but I, I sense this feeling from USC fans that are kind of just like, it's a win, but I feel like they're sensing that, like, hold on, let me do it. I feel like <laughs> they feel like at some point it's going to run out. At some point, the defense is going to have a bad game. At some point, the offense just can't do enough, just enough to win the game. Do you feel like at some point it's going to, quote unquote, run out? I mean, I think that is the concern. And there is perfectly reasonable to be happy with a win, but still be concerned. But you don't have to be upset with the win. That's the, the difference I have with, with a lot of the fans. And USC. upset with 4-0. Like, I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. The Falcons have not played great in their first three games. They're 3-0. and I'm excited about that. They haven't been 3-0 and in probably Steve Barkowski days. He was from Cal, by the way. Um, just throwing it out there. That was a random fact I learned during the, uh, during the broadcast. Um, but you don't have to... Be upset. I mean, you don't have to be excited about the way they play, but you shouldn't be upset with the fact that they still won. I feel like, why are you a, a, a sports fan? Like, if you're going to be upset about a win, like, I understand it. I'm probably pissing people off right now, but they won. Survive in advance. Like, I don't understand why you're going to get in a tizzy over a win. I, I just now. Do I don't you want to see improvements? And you can. Obviously. That's fine. I'm not talking about that. Yes, there's things to improve, obviously. But if you're gonna get so like meh, 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 about a, a a win, about being four and zero, I just don't understand that. I don't understand it either. But you know, you look at last season, and some people wanted to immediately put this down the one or two times I saw it on, on the message board. But Clemson didn't look great in all their games. Did they step up in the big games? Yes. And it helps when you have a really, really good quarterback who probably should have won the Heisman last year, Deshaun Watson from my home city. Uh, but, you know, when you have a really good quarterback that can turn things on in the biggest situations, which USC does, then you still you have a shot. And like you said, survive in advance. It does it. How many, how many teams, you're not going to be left out of a playoff when there's five, when there's four teams in the playoff. You're not going to be let out if you go undefeated. So exactly. if you win, that's what matters. Just win. Now, if you lose a game, then you got to start playing a lot better. So as you say, hey, we're really good. We should be invited to this big dance. Mm -hmm. But until you do that, now, could you have some complaints? Sure. Do you need to be upset about the law? I mean, about the win? No. <laughs> See, you're going to say loss because it sounds like it. Um, this is a question followed up by a quote. So give me some time. Question quotes. <clears throat> so how much different is it for Darnold this time around in this season? Um, in our Facebook Live, I talked about this a little bit. It's kind of like in baseball when a guy gets called up from the minors and no one really has a scouting report on him, so he kind of is really successful against pitchers. Um, it kind of was like that with Darnold, I feel like, where he was kind of the new guy. No one really knew what to expect from him, and then he was really good, and then all of a sudden he had this, this success. I mean, obviously, there's chemistry issues with the wide receivers, no doubt. But how much is it? Is it the defense knowing more about defense is knowing more about Darnold in the offense. Now here's where the quote comes in. T Martin said this after the game. I tweeted it and then people had really mixed feelings about it. Ready? Sure. He said, oh, okay, but this is when he was, uh, T was asked about USC doesn't really get it together until when they really need to on offense. And T said, that's what championship football looks like. Not all of them are going to be easy. You go to a Rose Bowl, you win a Rose Bowl, and you're not a seeker anymore. So we're going to get everybody's best. That's what you expect. And then a lot of these games are going to go, are going to be like that. No one's going to go around and because we're USC, not play good. We're getting everyone's best, and that's what these games look like. That's what it feels like. I've been a part of that, and you usually feel this way after every one of them. Team would know. <laughs> yeah. He went from a team that, uh, that had Peyton Manning and didn't make it a championship to he helped lead them to a championship. They went 13-0. and I'm looking at their schedule right now. Um, 
you know, they won by one point over Syracuse. They won by three points in overtime over Florida. Uh, they won 17-9 to at Auburn. Auburn was not ranked at the time. Um, looking down the schedule, they won by four points over Arkansas. It's all about winning. Can mm-hmm. you win? Mm-hmm. Do you find a way to win? You know, that team went undefeated. And they had all those games I just mentioned that were close. They won a 10-point game in the SEC championship, and they won by seven points over Florida State in the BCS championship. If you win, it doesn't matter. Do you step up? Do you rise to the occasion when things are at their their most difficult? They did that against Texas. So, so far, they have continued to, to win. You know, I think part of it is that, that Sam Darnold, people are seeing some tendencies maybe. And, you know, maybe it's possibly the tendencies to rely on Deontay Burnett or to look his way first or, you know, and, and part of that may be you need to design some plays or, you know, the first option is to look at a different receiver than him or something. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, it's hard to tell without, you know, getting the all 22 film and also looking to see where Sam Darnold's looking at all times and, and kind of comparing that like a team would when they're doing a scouting report. Um, I think there are some things that, that Sam does that you know, he's consistently done. You know, he likes to he gets in trouble. He likes to go to his right like any right-handed quarterback, and he likes to look for the, the options on the sideline. I mean, those are normal things that you expect out of quarterback, but Sam does them a lot better, and he can fit throws in the windows that other guys can't. And maybe defenses are <clears> learning <throat> that hey, we got to guard forever on this play and, you know, until they're in the huddle for the next play because Sam Darnold can make something happen that you don't think is going to happen. And, and maybe that's part of it. You know, maybe it's, a, it's just some extra preparation in that regard. But, you know, teams have been looking at Sam Darnold all offseason. Like, if we want to try to beat this guy, like Texas, you know, you said, I think Dan said that Tom Herman had told boosters that, you know, we're going to beat it. We're going to upset USC. So they've been looking forward to that game. They've obviously been studying, you know, the USC tape for a while in the offseason because that was a game they had circled. Maybe they circled that calendar too much. I mean, on the calendar too much and didn't look forward to that first game. Maybe they were looking at, Looking too much at USC tape instead of Maryland tape. Well, I've mentioned this multiple times. USC's back to the level where they're the big brother. And everyone playing them, this is their game. You know, like, we got to beat USC. We can be the, the unbeaten underdog, blah, 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 blah. And so I think that's what T was alluding to, is that these are the games that everyone's looking forward to. So you're you're playing everybody's best each week, which he's not complaining about it. He's just stating it. That's what's happening. I mean, if you looked at Cal's energy when they started the game versus USC's, USC's was flat. Cal was ready to play USC and was excited to play USC. That's what's happening. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, like I said, T wouldn't know what a championship team needs to do because he's done it. Yeah. You can't say, oh, this is what a championship team needs to do. and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, uh, yeah, he does. Uh, just, just a tad. So he's led a team, and he knows that sometimes it takes some close games and close wins. You don't play your best, but if you get out there with a victory, move on to the next week, and that's what they'll do this week. Um, for example, I brought up the Auburn game in, in that Tennessee was number three. They went to Auburn. Auburn was not ranked. They beat them 17-9. It was not a great game. Penn the State ne- went on a walk-off. They did. And the next week for that Tennessee team, they beat number seven Georgia 22-3 to in a rivalry game at Georgia. Similar situation here. We went on the road twice. Didn't play great in the first game. The next week you have a, a tougher opponent ranked. You know, that's what you hope from USC, that they come out and they play well and they can, you know, control a game like Tennessee did that Georgia team 22-3. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, oh, the other thing, people were quoting it and were like, Great T, what about Alabama? No one has problems with Alabama, and everyone sees Alabama's tape, blah, 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 blah. What, any thoughts on that? <laughs> on the Twitter haters? I mean, Alabama's a, a little bit different beast. Or a whole, yeah. I mean, the fact that, I mean, that's basically become a dynasty right now. Uh, the fact that Nick Saban has had his team, and they're, you know, in the championship game, or are in a top four, um, you know, you kind of expect them to be in the playoff every year now. 
now that there's four teams going. Before it was like, oh, if Alabama loses early or they lose to Texas A&M with Johnny Menzel or one of those games, maybe they won't get into the top two. Now there's four teams. You know, it's going to be hard to keep Alabama out because they're going to be, you know, one of the top three teams every season going into the year. They lose one game, but that's it. Uh, playing the SEC teams that, you know, for better or worse, get that much more recognition, uh, then you know they're going to be hard to get out of the top four. Okay, got a couple more questions for you, so we'll go fast. Okay. Um, how would you grade the coaches, USC's coaches, on game prep? And this has been a big question. Um, you know, I I mentioned I think on the Facebook Live or maybe earlier in the show, but uh, they're all blending together now. <laughs> but uh, that you know the offense has done some different things every game. You know, I've seen yeah. some different formations. I've seen some different looks. They're putting you know the running back in motion. Uh, they're doing some different things. You know, they're game planning with Stephen Carr. They got specific packages for him, running plays uh, certain for him for him to catch the ball. So I think they're doing some different things. And those plays have worked really well. They worked really well in the Texas game early. Um, you, you know, so how much do you rely just on the game plan? And how much do you make those adjustments in the game when they take something away? I think that's where the offense has struggled a little bit, is making the adjustments uh, against Texas saying, well, Texas has given us these opportunities to run these screens outside. Let's just keep running until we change their defense, until we force them to do something, make them make an adjustment. I don't think USC did that enough in that game, uh, in the Cal game. And there's not anything that's specific that I would point out in that same regard. But I think that's where some of the concerns are coming. Whereas on the defense, Clancy made some changes, uh, and I thought that they played really well, particularly in the second half. And they played with more fire because the defensive captains got on to everybody. I think that helped. Um, I think there needs to be some changes on the offensive line sometimes, uh, some blocking adjustments in-game that, that make a difference. Uh, if they start making a difference there, I think that then just helps the offense uh, keep rolling. So I think the game planning going in, I think it's fine. I think the defensive side, you've had more issues. Like, oh, well, they've driven the ball really well the first drive, but then they make a change. Okay, we'll make this change, we'll make this change, and they uh, corrected some things. And were you in the Clancy scrum after the Cal game when he was saying that someone asked him, like, why does the defense settle in better in the second half? And he was saying that they show – I think he's – this is what I'm asking you. Because I think he, I, what I heard from him was that – they show the offense certain things in the first half that invites them to do stuff, and then in the second half, they know what they're going to show them and then give them a counterpunch. Yeah, they're kind of bait and switches is what, the way he made it sound. Yeah, that, I thought know, that was really interesting. Yeah, that he said, you know, we played some off coverage, and you know, we, we gave them some looks, and then in the second half, when things are a little bit more important to make big stops and the emotion stuff gets going, they change some things up. They played some press coverage and did some different things, and you got some, you know, you got some turnovers. A lot of turnovers yeah. in that game, and, and part of that was the pass rush, but also you know causing confusion with a quarterback, a young quarterback, giving them some looks early, and then changing some things up. Um, how much of that was game planned? That's that's curious to me. Uh, yeah, a question I would like to know is how much did you plan to? All right, we're going to show them some of these looks, and then we'll switch this up a little bit later. Uh, we'll sandbag a little bit until the second half. Versus how much is all right? We gave them these looks. Nah, I don't really like these looks. Let's try this different thing and, and do it. Um, so that's more the question that I have for a Clancy that I didn't get to ask him this week. But, yeah. you know, that's more the question I would want to know from rather than, you know, how much is the game plan and how are they doing game planning? Oh, they're terrible on offense because they went four on four down and didn't get it done. <laughs> they haven't executed on four down. That's the biggest issue there. That's not a game plan issue. Yeah, well, that, that leads into my second question, or whatever question this is. Cal kept going in for fourth down. On going for it on fourth down, and people were like, "Oh, they don't respect our defense." Blah blah blah. And the defense wasn't really coming up on fourth down when they were on other plays. What, what was happening there? 
Um, it's easy, I think. Kyle was going the, you know, basically throwing it all out there. They're going for it. Um, they know that they're the underdog. They know they're a less talented team. They just didn't really care. They're going for it. Like, all right, we'll go. And they didn't get every fourth down. I mean, they got most of them. Or maybe they get every fourth down. I don't remember. I uh, think it was for a high ratio. They did get the fourth and goal. They did get the fourth down. They had a 23 yard run. Those are on the same drive. Um, and, you know, when you get to the one yard, they had they got to the two yard line after the 23 yard line run and at first and goal and took them four plays to get two yards. So they were just determined. They're like, all right, we're going to go regardless. So they ran four times, I think, or maybe they, maybe they threw it once. That was a dumb decision. Um, but. I think that Cal just kind of play with that mindset. It's like we're we're not we're putting it all out there. We're gonna go and we'll take our chances. Yeah. They had nothing to lose. They're three and zero. They haven't beat USC in like since the Ice Age. Uh, <laughs> so they're trying to find some way to do it. And Justin Wilcox in his first opportunity to play against USC had a little bit of that Steve Sarkeesian, Pete Carroll feel from like 2009 or 2010 in Seattle. Uh, had a little bit of that feel, but USC found a way to win. Mm-hmm. Um, last question last for one. you. <laughs> Uh, someone asked Clay on the Sunday presser uh, phone call, what's the offense's identity? And he said the identity is balance. Is balance necessarily an identity? I mean, not really. <laughs> it's an ideal. It's an ideal of your offense. You want to be balanced. Your identity needs to be, we're going to, oh, maybe the, maybe he just didn't describe it well. His identity for balance should be, we're going to take what the defense gives us and, or whatever. Rather than, hey, we're going to run it down their throat. Or, hey, we're going to throw it 50 times a game. That's more of an identity. If he wants the identity to be, you know, we're 50-50, no, it needs to be we'll take what the defense gives us and we'll make them pay. And then if it comes out balanced, whatever. I don't think balance is a good ideal to have if that's even an ideal. I mean, I, th- I don't think it's a good identity to have even if it, it, it is one. I think it's an ideal that you would like. To, like, okay, if we can, we'd like to be balanced. If they're not giving it to us, we're just going to take it whatever and dominate is that what is that why you're seeing kind of sometimes this like as Dan likes to say the grab bag of plays is it kind of for that whole balance or is it just because like why do we see that? I don't think a play caller should ever look at how many runs or passes they've done. Yeah. Agreed. Um, now that can be bad because you can get the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl and <laughs> run the ball. Just run them. Have you recovered? At no, all? I never will. Until they win one, I won't. And since Atlanta, as a city, has not won, has won only one championship ever. The year I was born. 1995, yeah. Braves, shout out to my dad. Then I will not uh, be getting over that until they win one. Maybe this year. But uh, the the Falcons could have run it a bunch of times in that game. They did not. You know, you, you need to look at the situations rather than looking at the stat sheet and saying, oh, we got 37 passes and 24 runs. We better run a couple more times. That's all I got. Okay. We've been talking for like hours. Wow. I'm out of juice. Yeah, me too. Short day or short week. All right. Anything else you want to add? Oh, score predictions. What do you think is going to happen? How many <laughs> times have I been wrong on this? Every I, time? Oh, no. I was almost right. Hey, we were close for Cal. We was were it, arguing about this at the game. 30 17 or 31 17. So I went too far off on that one. What's the spread? Ryan Abraham, who, who nicely sits here while we podcast. Three and a half points. I'm going to take USC to beat that. I'm going to say it's an eight-point game. I'm going to say it's 34 to 26. Interesting. Man, I'm talking about 31 to 23. I'm going to say 21 to 10 USC. 
totally just made that up for no reason. No basis. Or just, you know what score's not going to be? What? one nothing. Watch it. But 8-0. Somehow. 8-0. I'm going to say the one by 8. So maybe it's even 8-0. I don't know. All right. All right, I'm done. Yeah, we're done. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, tweet us, message us, do whatever you want if you want to. Contact us. I don't know. Shotgun's really just over me at Face this point. Ball. That was baseball. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace.